0: Now we're going to turn to the Word of God this evening, we're going to read from Daniel chapter 8, Daniel chapter 8, and I'm going to read from verse 15 to the end, Daniel chapter 8, verses 15 to the end. If you find the place, of course it's always good, as the Bible says, to give attention to reading, and we couldn't read a better book I think of the wee boy who was in the classroom the teacher sent them home on the Friday to read an essay and the essay was based on the words my greatest treasure is and um, this wee boy who come from a missionary background missionary family he wrote my greatest treasure is my holy Bible and of course what a tremendous truth that indeed is let's read from the Word of God Daniel chapter 8 verse 15 And it came to pass when I, even I, Daniel, had seen the vision and sought for the meaning, then, behold, there stood before me as the appearance of a man. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of Eulah, which called and said, Gabriel, make this man to understand the vision. So he came near where I stood. And when he came, I was afraid and fell upon my face. But he said unto me, Understand, O son of man, for at the time of the end shall be the vision. Now as he was speaking with me, I was in a deep sleep on my face toward the ground. But he touched me and set me upright. And he said, Behold, I will make thee know what shall be in the last end of the indignation. For at the time appointed, the end shall be. The ram which thou sawest, having two horns, are the kings of Media and Persia. And the rough goat is the king of Grecia. And the great horn that is between his eyes is the first king. Now, that being broken, For as four stood up for it, four kingdoms shall stand up out of the nation, but not in his power. And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding, dark sentences shall stand up. And his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power, he shall destroy wonderfully and shall prosper in practice and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people and through his policy also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand and he shall magnify himself in his heart and by peace shall destroy many he shall also stand up against the prince of princes but he shall be broken without hand And the vision of the evening And the morning which was told is true Wherefore shut thy up the vision For it shall be for many days And I Daniel fainted And was sick certain days Afterwards I rose up And did the king's business And I was astonished at the vision But none understood it amen we'll end the reading there at verse 27 and we pray the lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the holy scriptures now my text tonight is taken from daniel chapter 8 and i want us to think of the words from verse 19 right through to verse 25 in particular and my theme this evening is understanding the ram the rough goat and the rise and fall of the little horn. Now, when I have read through Daniel 8, I believe that Daniel 8 is proof that the book of Daniel is not written chronologically. Because here is a record of Daniel's second dream. His first dream was given to him directly by God, and it happened two years previous. His first dream was during the first year of the reign of Belshazzar, and now two years have passed, and it's the third year, and here's God in his providence coming to Daniel, revealing some of the details, revealing some of the same truths to him about the future, and he's doing it the second time. And, of course, this second dream also contains some additional information that wasn't given in the first dream. Now, the details of the dream are complex. They're detailed. And some would say, well, they're really deep and hard to understand. You see, you're going to read in this chapter about a ram with two horns. You're going to read here about a he-goat with one big horn. And then that one big horn is broken, and in its place, four horns grow. And eventually then, at the end of the four horns, a little horn rises up, and he sets his face towards the pleasant land and makes war with him who is the prince of princes. So here's God revealing this dream and vision to Daniel. Daniel, I believe, was brought into a spiritual supernatural state to see these things. And having revealed them to Daniel, then Daniel faithfully records this dream for us. Uh, Daniel 8 to the end, remember, is written in the Hebrew language. The book is written in two languages, Aramaic and Hebrew. And Daniel, I believe, is the human pen man, and he's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And remember what we read in Romans 15, verse 4, and these things are written before time are written for our learning and for our comfort that through the scriptures we might have hoped. So here's God revealing his will and his word to Daniel, and it's written for our time, for our day, for our learning. So as I looked at this chapter and I've asked myself, well, what does it all mean, Lord? How can I present this to the folks in Carrie Duff? Well, well, there's three things come to mind, and I I wrote them down as I normally do. Firstly, I want you to understand the details of the second dream. So we're going to look at the book. Look at chapter 8. If you have the scripture open, look at verse 1. Here's the period. In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar A vision appeared unto me Even unto me Daniel After that which appeared unto me at the first Remember the third year Is the last year of Belshazzar's reign So the timing's important He only reigned three years And remember that on the final night of his life um, the kingdom of Babylon fell, and it was taken from them. It was given to the Medes and the Persians. Uh, Daniel 5 and verse 31, it says, And Darius the Median took the kingdom, being about threescore and two years old. So Daniel's first vision was in the first year of the reign of uh, Belshazzar, and we read that in Daniel chapter 7. Daniel's second vision came two years later in the third year of his reign. So there's two years between chapter 7 and chapter 8 being written. Chapter uh, uh, 7 ties in uh, to the first year and chapter 8 ties in to the end of Belshazzar's life. Notice also here, not only the period, but notice the place. If you come to verse 2, and I saw in a vision and it came to pass when I saw that I was at Shushan in the palace, which is in the province of Elam, and I saw in a vision, and I was by the river of Ulai. Now, Daniel in his dream sees himself at Shushan the palace in the province of Elam by the river Ula. Now, Daniel's not there bodily, folks, I believe he's carried there by the Spirit of God. You see, Daniel's in Babylon, and ancient Shushan is in the land of Iran. And in fact, Shushan is now the one of the modern cities of Iran called Shush. And it was part of the ancient kingdom of Persia. And and Daniel has been shown here by God that the kingdom of Babylon is about to fall and be replaced by the kingdom of the Medes and Persians. So it's about the future. God is predicting what's going to happen the immediate future and the distant future. Notice the presentation. What did he see? It's very important details here. Uh, They're significant details. Remember, they're all about the future. Let me just give you the main features. He sees a ram with two horns. Chapter 8, verse 3. Then I lifted up mine eyes and saw and behold, there stood before the river a ram which had two horns, and the two horns were very high, but one was higher than the other, and the higher came up last. Now, do you see that? Daniel records that he saw this ram with two horns pushing in three directions, westward, northward, and southward you'll read about that in verse 4. And none could stand against him. None could withstand him. He he became great in the land. And as we're going to see, and I'll show you this from the scriptures, this is a reference to the Median Persian Empire, which came after the Babylonian Empire. So that's the first thing that he saw. The next thing that he saw was a he-goat come from the west. Look at Daniel. 8, verse 5 and as I was considering behold an he goat came from the west on the face of the whole earth and touched not the ground and the goat had a notable horn between his eyes this he goat was traveling at great speed so fast he was that he could hardly even touch the ground the he goat attacks the ram with two horns they have a tussle head on the he goat smites the ram breaks his two horns and destroys the ram completely. The he-goat is strong. The he-goat waxes great in the earth. You can see that there in verses 7 and 8. Look at chapter 8 and verse 7 and verse 8. Um, Eventually, the great horn that he has is broken. Listen to verse 8. Therefore, the he-goat waxed very great. And when he was strong, the great horn was broken, for it had came and for it came up four notable ones toward the four winds of heaven. So this great horn is broken, and it's replaced by four other horns. And in the process of time, after these little, or four horns have been in existence for a period, then up came another little horn out of one of those four horns. And this little horn waxed great. Toward the south and toward the east and toward the pleasant land. And you can read what the little horn does in verses 9 right through to 12. And it says, for example, And out of one of them came forth a little horn, which waxed exceedingly great toward the south and toward the east and toward the pleasant land. And it waxed great even to the host of heaven. And it cast down some of the host and of the stars to the ground and stamped upon them. And he magnified himself even to the prince of the host. And by him the daily sacrifice was taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. And an host was given him against the daily sacrifice by reason of transgression. And it cast down the truth to the ground, and it practiced and prospered. So there's the details of the second dream, and those main features are very significant. Now, the second thing I want you to grasp is this, understand the delineation of the second three. Not only the details, but what does it all mean? How are we to interpret all this? By all this symbolism? See, sometimes I think that we think to ourselves, well, we don't know what it really means we feel that there's no real relevance to me it's no bearing in my life now if you think like that i want to say you're you're completely wrong because what we're understanding here has every bearing on our lives i believe this deserves the closest attention you see even daniel wanted to know what it meant and, and daniel was studying the words of the dream very carefully And that's what verses 15 right through to verse 25 is really all about. You see, the ram with two horns, that's mentioned in chapter 8, verse 3, is the Medo-Persian empire. How do I know that? Well, look at your Bible. Look at Daniel chapter 8, verse 20. And the ram which thou sawest having two horns are the kings of Media and Persia. And of course, the first king of Media was Darius the Mede, and the first king of Persia was Cyrus. See, the ram and its two horns represented the twofold kingdom of the Medes and Persians that came after the Babylonian empire. And you've got to think of the Fall, the downfall of the Babylonian Empire. You've got to think of the rise of the Medo Persian Empire on the very night that King Belshazzar was slain in Daniel 5. Think of how it happened and the way that it happened and when it happened in the third year of the reign of Belshazzar, Daniel 5 and 31. And of course, the Medo Persian Empire was represented in chapter 7 by the image of a bear. Um, but we'll just stick with the ram and the two horns so, so that's significant you understand the meaning of that Then think about the he-goat that came from the west What does that mean? Chapter 5 or chapter 8 verse 5 And I was considering behold a he-goat came from the west And the face of the whole earth and touched not the ground And the goat had a notable horn between his eyes So, so what's the meaning of that? Well, look at chapter 8, verse 21. It says, And the rough goat, that's the same as the he goat, think of a billy goat, and the rough goat is the king of Grecia. And his great horn that is between his eyes is the first king. So this he goat represents the first king of Grecia. And who was the first king of Grecia? Well, the answer is. Alexander the Great, we don't have to speculate, we don't have to conjecture, it's nothing to do with the United Kingdom, United States of America, nothing to do with Europe, the Lord is telling us who he is, he's he's represented by a rough goat, it's a male figure, And, and he comes, the Bible says, from the west, and he pushes on his face toward the whole of the known world at that time, and of course, we want the Bible to be its best interpreter. When we read and study the Scriptures, we compare one Scripture verse with another Scripture verse. That's a great hermeneutical principle. And, and here's a verse that makes it very significant, makes it clear. We know who the he-goat is, who the rough-goat is, that, that has come from the West. And the answer is, it's the first king of Greece, And that was Alexander the Great. And, of course, Alexander the Great was one of the most famous of all the Grecian kings. Could you name any of the other Grecian kings? Probably not. He was a great, mighty general in history. Talks have been given about him. Films have been produced. Uh, Stories have been talked about. Achievements have been mentioned. And this was 200 years, folks, before he ever stood on the earth, because the Medo-Persian Empire was in existence for about 200 years before the Grecian Empire ever came. Could I ask you to think of his suddenness? He appeared in the scene in 356 BC. At the age of 16, he became a warrior and a general. And then he became the leader of the whole of the Grecian Empire from the age of 20. He came from the land of Greece, that's why it's called the Grecian Empire, or the territory that was formerly known of Macedonia. And Daniel is exact. He came from the west. Think of his swiftness. The Bible tells us here, and touched not the ground. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean he was supernaturally elevated off the ground. It means that he was very swift in his feet, he was very speedy, he was very fast, he had a rapid rise. You think of a boy of 16 joining the army, becoming a warrior. And before he knows it, he's the leading general by the time he's 20. And he's ruling this vast empire. Remember in Daniel 7, we read about the Grecian empire under the guise of a leopard. And a leopard, of course, is one of the fastest animals known for its speed. Only this time, he's described as a a rough he-goat. And he's very swift in conquering all his enemies. And he had one mighty campaign after the other. And none of his mighty campaigns were long. And, and by the age of 32, he had conquered a whole of the known world. And he lamented that there was no more worlds for him to conquer. Think not only of his suddenness in relation to his appearance. And think not only of his swiftness and his agility. But think of his strength. The uh, Bible tells us here that uh, the he goat waxed very great look at chapter 8 and verse 8 therefore the he goat waxed very great and when he was strong as i've said he was a great general he was ruling a great emperor Uh, he 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 ruled it with power and authority Um, in fact there's a story told of a soldier who bore the same name as alexander he was guilty of certain crimes and he was brought in before alexander the great and alexander the great said to him uh, you have a great name I want you to change your nature so that it's worthy of that great name in other words I want you to put away your bad behavior and I want you to repent and I want you to uh, uh, realize that if you're going to have that name th- then you better act with uh, uh, honesty and act with integrity and and here's something being revealed to Daniel And what's being revealed to Daniel is, if you look again at Daniel chapter 8 and verse 8, and when he was strong, the great horn was broken. And, And what came up in its place? For it came up four notable ones toward the four winds of heaven. Now compare Daniel 8 and 8 with Daniel 8 and 23. Now that being broken... Whereas four stood up for it, four kingdoms shall stand up out of the nation, but not in his power. You see, Alexander the Great, even though he had sons, none of his sons succeeded him to the throne. The Grecian Empire underwent an eternal power struggle when Alexander the Great died the grecian empire was divided into four provinces and that's exactly what's been told here prophesied by daniel 200 years before it ever happened daniel 8 and verse 22 a part of it was in syria a part of it was in egypt a part of it was asia minor and a part of it was in macedonia and you think of the four generals and this is a fact of history uh cassander and uh, uh and and uh, antonius and Seleucus. this four-manned general uh, that was looking after the whole of the Grecian Empire was not strong. Uh, It it was not a mighty kingdom after Alexander the Great's day. It was not as successful and powerful as it was under the reign and rule of Alexander the Great. Did you know that when Alexander the Great uh, came to conquer uh, Israel and into uh, Jerusalem itself, the high priest came out to meet him. He brought the book of the law. And he pointed Alexander the Great to Daniel 8 and 21. You know what he said to him? Our scriptures have spoke about you. We have been waiting on you coming. We have been expecting you. You're the rough goat that Daniel mentioned in Daniel 8 and verse 21. And of course, that uh, helped to encourage Alexander the Great. Uh, He befriended the Jewish people. He was very good to that uh, people and its countryside. And of course, none could touch them. They prospered because they were under the protection of Alexander the Great. So not only his suddenness and his swiftness and his strength, but, but think of his shortness of life. Did you know that he died age 32? A very short life, very brief. When did it happen? It happened when he was strong. You know what the Bible says here? And when he was strong, the great horn was broken. See, this was 200 years, folks, before he was born. He didn't live to be an old man. Maybe he thought, well, you know, I'm not going to die young. I, I'm strong. I'm not sick. I'm not old. I'm going to enjoy the, the full bloom of life. You know what Alexander's problem was? He was a heavy drinker. There's a Greek story that's told that he drunk wine or some sort of alcoholic beverage from Hercules cup which was a big cup and a few days after he drunk this stuff he, he took a fever and from that fever he died here's a man who appeared suddenly here's a man who was 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 swift in his rise a man who was strong he waxed great 32 years of age lamented no more words for me to conquer and yet he died at that age You know, your life could be the same. You you mightn't live to old age. The Bible says in Job 14, verse 10, uh, a man dieth and wasteth away and giveth up the ghost, and where is he? The Bible talks about dying in a full age, on a day appointed, and as it's appointed unto men, once to die, and after this, the judgment. You mightn't reach old age, young people, and you need to be ready. You need to be right with God. You need to repent and you need to receive Christ. You need to be found in fellowship with him. Do you know whenever Alexander the Great's funeral was taking place, he was laid in his coffin and his hands were placed in his chest like this here. And the palms were shown. Could could you imagine that scene? People filing past and looking at Alexander the Great and the hands are like this here. Why? That's how he wanted to be remembered as he left this scene of time. He wanted everybody to know that he had left empty-handed. That all that he had amassed, all that he had achieved, all that he had announced, that he came into the world empty-handed and he went out empty-handed. And you're the same. You come in with nothing. Nothing. And you go out with nothing. You know, none of us will carry one thing out of time into God's eternity. Think of those that put um, very priceless possessions into the coffin of their loved ones, sort of thinking that they'll carry them with them into the afterlife. They'll not. Even after a thousand years, they'll still be there in those coffins. But if you're a child of God, who are, have repented of your sin and received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then you go out with something. You go out with your soul that's saved. You can be absent from the body and present with the Lord. You can leave behind a testimony to the saving and keeping power of Christ. And more than that, you can leave behind an influence. Because all of us have an influence. An influence for God or good. or, Or an influence for sin and Satan. You think of children that are following after. And you who are saved. You can influence your children and point them in the ways of God. Wasn't that true of David? David was very concerned about Absalom and the civil war with his own son. And he asked... Joab, his commander-in-chief, is the young man safe? See, all he was concerned about was the safety and well-being of Absalom. And we need to have a burden and a concern for our children who are not saved and ready to meet the Lord. Because you know what's true? Life is short. Time is short. And here's a man, and you've got to think of his shortness. He died when he was 32. Totally unexpected. I I want you to think also here of the little horn. Do we read about that in chapter 8 and verse 9? And out of one of them came forth a little horn which waxed exceeding great toward the south and toward the east and toward the pleasant land. That's a reference to the land of Israel. This little horn is not the same little horn that's mentioned in chapter 7. So you've got to differentiate. You've got to learn to interpret Scripture properly. Um, That little horn in chapter 7 came out of the Roman Empire uh, uh, at the, the end of the world. And that little horn, of course, is the Antichrist. But this little horn, he arises out of the Greek Empire. And he's a foreshadowing of the Antichrist. And, of course, history helps. So, so towards the end of the rule of the Greeks, who emerged as the chief ruler of the Grecian Empire? And the answer is Antiochus Epiphanes, or, or Antiochus IV. And in 167 BC, he captured Jerusalem. He burnt the law. He killed many, many people. He was a hater of the Jewish people and the land of Israel. Think of the treatment of Alexander the Great. And contrast that with the treatment of Antiochus Epiphanes. He hated God. He hated the worship of God. He, he, he hated anything to do with uh, God's law and God's light. He conducted a serious campaign of violence against the Jewish people. I believe he was empowered by the devil. If you look at chapter 8, it says in verse 23 and in the latter time of their kingdom, that's the four kingdoms, when the transgressors are come to the full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding, dark sentencing shall stand up, and his power shall be mighty, notice these words, but not by his own power, and he shall destroy wonderfully and shall prosper and practice and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. And one of the things that Antiochus Epiphanes did was he desecrated the temple. Do you know that he, he slaughtered a pig and he offered it on the altar, the brazen altar that we were thinking about this morning. He offered it to God as a sacrifice. And, and then he took the remnants of that burnt offering and he scattered them over the floor of the temple. And as he was doing this, now remember this man is in the zenith of his power. This is an act of blasphemy against the God. He's been strengthened uh, by the uh, powers of darkness. He's standing against the prince of princes, the Lord Jesus himself. And do you know what happened? God smote him. And he was literally eaten from the inside out with worms. If you notice in verse 25, it says, but he shall be broken without hand. That is, no man's going to touch him. God's going to smite him And that's exactly what happened It's mentioned here that This man had such a stench from his body That the other people who were with Antiochus Epiphanes They fled from the temple When they seen the worms coming out of his body And and Flavius Josephus The Jewish Jewish historian Records this event that happened So there's the the delineation or, Or the meaning of the second vision now i still have 10 minutes i want you to think thirdly not only the details of the second vision and the delineation of the second vision but think about the declaration of the second vision well, what does this teach us what can we learn from it well let me suggest this in closing let's learn that the will of god is invincible you see In all of these visions, whether it's Daniel 2, whether it's in Daniel 4, whether it's in Daniel 7, Daniel 5, Daniel 8, four great kingdoms are going to rise up, kingdoms with dominion and power, the Babylonians, the Medes and the Persians, the Grecian, and the Roman Empire. But here's the amazing thing is that the Bible was teaching that all four kingdoms fell and they were no more. And despite the bad laws and the wickedness of men, they were discovered that God was in charge. Look with me at Daniel chapter 4. And we read there in verse 34 and verse 35. This is something Nebuchadnezzar discovered. At the end of his days, I and, they, and at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. Notice this, and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doth according to his will in the army of heaven, and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What Doest I? Do you see that? You see, God is absolutely sovereign. The will of God is invincible. No man can fight against God and win. God's an absolute sovereign control of time, events, and world history. And wasn't that already revealed to Daniel? If you turn over there to Daniel chapter 2, and look with me, it says there, in Daniel chapter 2, And we read together there in uh, verse 44, it says, And in the days of these kings, that's the ten-toed king uh, emperor of the revised Roman Empire, shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands... Than it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver and the gold. The great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. And when you study Daniel 2, Daniel 4, Daniel 7 and 8, and the description of the image, and, and, and these description of these dreams, and the uh, arise of these kingdoms, We'd ask, well, where is the kingdom of Babylon now? Where's the Medes and Persians? Where's the Grecian? Where's the old Roman Empire? Well, it's gone. And of course, they also represent the spirit of all in any opposition to God and to Jesus Christ in the world. So anyone that has an anti-God, anti-Christian agenda, and yet all four kingdoms that had that agenda are gone. Because God's in charge. In absolute sovereign control of time, world events, and history. Remember the Grecian Empire, the rough goat. Alexander the Great, 200 years before he was born and before he lived. That was revealed to Daniel. And, and, And God was revealing to Daniel that he's the one in charge of world affairs. God's at work sovereignly. You know, this is true in 1948 when the Jews come back to their homeland. This was true there recently when Jerusalem was declared to be the capital again of the uh, state of Israel by by Donald Trump. Who would believe that Donald Trump would be brought to the White House so he could make that declaration? God's in charge. And and of course it could be the same uh, truth unfolded with the annexation of part of the West Bank. See, God's in charge. Sometimes we get worried about Brexit. Sometimes we get worried about other things and other people. And we forget. Let's bring God into the picture. Why did God allow Donald Trump to be the president? Against all the odds. Against every expectation. Why did God allow Brexit? Because God's in charge. And God is working out his eternal purposes. Not only is the will of God invincible, but I want to tell you the word of God's infallible. Here's another lesson. Daniel 8's already been fulfilled. It's already past history. History is his story. The Medes and Persians came. The ram with the two horns. The he-goat, the rough goat, with the horn broken off. Alexander the Great, he's come and gone. His, His four generals have come and gone. The little horn, Antiochus, Epiphanes, has come and gone. God's word, you know, it's infallible. It was filled exactly to the letter. God's word's inherent. And, and, and we, we can rest in the scriptures. We can have faith in the word of God. Daniel is telling us what has already happened precisely to the letter. We can trust the word of God. And can I tell you this in closing? The wrath of God is inescapable. Antiochus Epiphanes was eaten by worms in the temple. His body stank. And Flavius Josephus, the the Jewish historian, revealed the kind of death that he died. No human hand was involved. He quoted from Daniel chapter 8. God smote him. He was eaten of worms. His flesh began to crawl. And the people ran. Didn't the same thing happen to Herod in chapter 12 of the book of Acts as we finish? If you turn to that portion of Scripture, in Acts chapter 12, Remember he gathered together, he made a great oration. The people shouted something, what did they shout? They, they shouted, it's, it's the voice of a God. And, and, and what happened? God smote him. It says, and upon a set day, Herod arrayed in royal apparel sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout saying, it's the voice of a God and not of a man. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory, and he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. But the word of God grew and they multiplied. You see, nobody can escape the wrath of God. Remember what John the Apostle says in John chapter uh, 3 and the verse uh, 36. And, w- and with this I'm finishing. He made a tremendous statement: He that hath the Son, hath life. He that hath not the Son, Hath not life But the wrath of God Abideth on him And here's What's declared from this second dream The will of God's invincible Nobody can withstand it And the word of God's infallible It will and shall be fulfilled to the letter And the wrath of God is inescapable That's why you need to be ready That's why you need to repent of your sin That's why you need to be in a right Relationship with God He that hath the son hath life He that hath not the Son of God hath not life, but the wrath of God abides upon him. And for everyone that's out of Christ, that wrath of God hangs over their head, and they're only kept alive by a slender thread to this life. And it's only in the mercy of God that they live. And remember, God's a day appointed to take all of us out of this scene of time. And that's why the Bible says, prepare to meet thy God. Are you prepared? Are you ready? Can you say, I'm saved? Uh, Should the Lord take me? If anything should happen, I'm in a right relationship with the Lord, and and for me, it'll be absent from the body and present with the Lord. I I trust this evening that as we have tried to uh, open up a little bit of Daniel 8, and understanding something about the ram and the he-goat and the rise and fall of the little horn, that the Lord will help us to see the detail, understand the delineation, and the Lord will help us to declare that his will is invincible, his word's infallible, and his wrath is inescapable. Let's just close together in a wee word of prayer. Lord, take these few stumbling, stammering words from this poor preacher tonight. We thank you for those that have come and those that have listened on the internet. Use thy word for thy glory. Lord, we know it's a detailed, difficult chapter, but I've tried, Lord, to set it and make it as clear as a car. And I just pray that you'll give all of us understanding and help us to remember that as we live out our lives in this world, what we're seeing and witnessing before us is the unfolding of Of the high story Lord part us now in your fear And with your favour We pray that you'll take us to our homes in safety And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ The love of thyself And the communion of the Holy Spirit Be upon us both now and evermore For we ask it in Christ's name Amen Amen Thank you tonight The stewards will open the door